Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. This morning on the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. So I'm I'm fairly certain, you know, Cluster Truck was in here yesterday. We appreciate Evan and company coming in here yesterday and dropping off some food. And I think this is the biggest upset, and I'm going to have to go see it for myself. But but yesterday, a breakfast burrito was brought in for Mark Dykton, and he was not here. And Corbin did not eat it, and it's in the refrigerator here at the fan. And I can't believe a bunch of sports radio animals let a, let a breakfast burrito sit there for damn near 24 hours. Consider yourself lucky, Dykton. It might be a first time in history that food that's in the fridge that is marked for somebody stays. I just, I, I just can't I believe want it. to call Corbin during the break and be like, you okay, man? Yeah. Like, like dude, self-restraint on? on like no other there. Yeah. So dude, Mark, go ahead, because that burrito was outstanding. Oh, I think I snarfed it down in about 53 seconds. So we appreciate them coming in. I did hear uh, Evan was on with uh, uh, JMV, and JMV had had the fish and had rice and beans and had the very nice meal, and me Whoa. and you were scarfing sandwiches I had chips and burritos. I and queso at 8.15 in the morning. chips and queso. So we appreciate them coming in. Tony Adranya will join card, us. by the way, to Cluster Truck yes. coming up for the pop quiz. 9.30 or so. gift card coming up around 9.30. Uh, so George Odom going to join us, 9 o'clock hour, former Colt Safety. Uh, All-Pro special teamers with the 49ers. Fun conversation. Ounce of crazy. Oh, he, he's got an ounce or two of crazy. Uh, we'll talk with him at 9 o'clock. Tony Adrania, some IU basketball at 8 o'clock. I'll have you set this up. Uh, Buddy Heald is, I mean, listen, we got to talk about him. Buddy Heald is the conversation for about the next 36 hours. And last night, Tyrese Halliburton was asked about him. And everyone knows that Buddy and uh, Tyrese are very good friends on this team. And that, you know, does that way into what the Pacers may or may not do here in the next several hours. Yeah, I thought it was quite the defense from Tyrese Halliburton to Buddy Heald. And, you know, part of it is like, okay, Kevin, expect that. It is, you know, whatever. His best friend, certainly probably the closest guy that he's with on the on, on the team. But also, look at last night, Andy. And again, I'm not one that's like married to the plus-minus stat, but I do think on certain nights, there are some that really jump out at you. If you look at the Pacers last night, Andy... One player was better than a plus three all of last night. You know, for the most part, it was, you know, the, your bench was, you know, probably a little better than your starters, but not like this crazy sort of discrepancy. Buddy healed at plus 11. Again, no one better than plus three, but yet here is healed at plus 11. And it wasn't just he had 12 points and finally hit a bunch of threes. Right, he had six assists. He had six assists. Yeah. Um, so it's clearly the best game we've seen from Buddy in quite a while, and of course this leads into tomorrow afternoon in the trade deadline. Here was Tyrese Halliburton last night after the game and describing the presence of Buddy Heald. I think what Buddy brought to the table, and obviously he made shots, which helps, you know, and I thought that he did a good job competing defensively. Listen, I think the one thing that people need to understand about Buddy Heald, and I've played with him my whole career, is the gravity that he has as a basketball player. You know, his spacing, even when he's not making shots, which isn't often, I mean, he's one of the best shooters who's ever touched a basketball. His gravity when he's on the floor and in our stack actions, in our movement actions, a lot of times you have to you have to respect what he does even if he's not making shots that game. You gotta run two at him and that kinda opens up every everything for for us. So I know it's kinda overblown the 
talk about Buddy when he's not shooting the ball very well, but his shooting gravity and who he has is a player and has been historically when it comes to shooting the ball. I got the utmost faith in him. You know, he's probably the second best shooter on our team behind me, but he, you know, I think he shoots the ball at a high level, and I'm, I'm glad you asked that question because I, I feel like it's overblown to, to talk about Buddy, but he works his butt off. He competes in here every night. Yeah, he just always brings something good to the table. Is that a friend defending a friend? Yes. Is there a lot of truth in what Tyrese Halliburton said right there? Certainly. I mean, how he describes Buddy Heald, and I don't know exactly how NBA scouting reports work, but tonight the Golden State Warriors are on a back-to-back. One of their assistants, Andy, I assume, in Philadelphia this morning is putting together a Pacers scouting report, knowing that they still play Philly tonight. And before even turning on any film for Buddy Heald, it will say something to the effact of, we cannot leave him Run him off the line, right? Make him play defense, first, sure. etc. You know, sure. That is like the obvious reputation that he has earned. So that still is there. I mean, hell, it was even there during a shooting slump. But um, I don't know if I'm putting too much stock into one game, Andy. But for you to go season low in minutes on Sunday, which is what Buddy had, to last night and Benedict Matherin's illness, showing up to the arena sick, having to be sent home, that probably played into some of it. But on a night where you needed something else, and McConnell was part of it, 24 minutes off the bench for Buddy, 12 points, 6 assists. If that goes the other way, if the 10-point lead in the third quarter for Houston, if that remains, Buddy does not come off the bench, hit a few shots, I might be putting too much stock into the last game before the trade deadline, but I think tomorrow could look differently for the Pacers than it might look. Maybe I'm putting too much stock into one game, but again, Buddy had been in a slump. And for him to have that performance, the Pacers to respond, I almost think it's like a sigh of relief for everybody organizationally. And now they might look at tomorrow afternoon and say, all right, let's just see what this group can do together and not look at it and say, damn, we've lost four of five. Buddy's in a slump. We can't guard anyone. Should we make a move here by 3 o'clock Thursday? Yeah, it's, you know, boy, they are. And by the way, I want to give a shout out to Alex Golden. I was on their podcast, Setting the Pace, last oh, night. Oh, nice. Uh, they're going to release it on Thursday. And we talked about this very thing. Uh, and of course, we hope in the next uh, few hours, if they're going to release that, that uh, nothing happens. But Buddy Healed, boy, I find the Pacers, their decision with him to be very, very sticky. Like, I don't know. I kind of feel like, don't you, that Pacer fans are split on this? That if you gave the opinion, which we both have had on here at different times, if you gave the opinion, KB, of, well, I mean, you can't let him walk for nothing, that's not the wrong opinion. But if you also said what you just said, that, well, hey, you know, he had a nice game. He's going to get out of this slump. He is still a valuable piece to this team. Offensively, you know, you talk about depth. You get into the playoffs. This guy can get hot. He can win you a game. We understand defensively um, what he is. You see, I mean, you've seen the last couple games him be able to get some assists. I guess for me, they are just in a tricky spot with Buddy because, and I'm agnostic when it comes to this, because if they go out and they say, no, we needed, we're not going to sign this guy long-term. If we, you know, we needed to get something for him, I could sit here and say, okay, I understand that. If they said, listen, 
We've had Halliburton out. We have this new look team. He's going to get off this skid that he's on. He is still a valuable piece. How can we talk about win now if we move Buddy and we don't get something back that can help this team? Uh, I think the question, and you mentioned it earlier in the 7 o'clock hour, is how much does it matter the relationship with Tyrese Halliburton? Because one thing I do feel pretty firm on is I'm not in love with a quote-unquote long-term contract for Buddy Heald after the season. I- I'm not. If they say, hey, we want to finish out this year, we're not going to get anything for him, we're going to finish out the season, and we're going to see what we can do in the postseason, and if Buddy walks at the end of the year and he finds a good deal for him somewhere else, good for him. Um, I-, I just, I guess I don't feel like you need to placate Tyrese Halliburton on here, but I don't know what they think about that. I have no idea. Do you? You know, part of me is like, should I make the analogy to the question I asked Bob Kravitz yesterday? I said to Bob, and I don't think it's apples to apples, so this is probably a poor analogy to even ponder, but like I said to Bob, you know, should Mike Woodson having played for Bob Knight 40 years ago matter in how we evaluate him as a head coach? Uh, should Tyrese Halliburton's personal relationship with Buddy Heald evaluate how we view Buddy? I, I don't. I think this one matters more than the Woodson-Knight connection. Um... I, but isn't the answer the same for both? The answer is no for both. Well, but it, I don't but, know. It, but it but it, it does. Like with I Woody, it does NBA, matter that he little, played for Bobby Knight. Well, yes, for sure. I agree. But my opinion on it, I I kind of think you have to cater to Tyrese a little bit. And I know that goes against so much of like no no no. You know basketball. You know you're you're a team out there, and you know whatever. It's a, you're a fist, and you're not a bunch of individuals, and etc. <laughs> you're a like, fist. I like that. <laughs> let's be honest. That's not how the NBA operates in 2020. And that's not how a small market team can probably treat its star. And I also don't think Tyrese is like, I don't think he's walking in there saying, you know, demanding. Like, it's not like Giannis's little brother right, is on right. the roster here. I mean, <laughs> Buddy Heald still gives you an important presence, whether, again, he's making shots or not. Obviously, he's a more of a liability when he's not making those shots out there. But still, there is something he brings to the table for you here. Do you think better chance Buddy's moved or Obi Toppin? Uh, I, I think to me, and this is probably what I want to have happen, I think some sort of move, some sort of veteran move uh, in moving Obi Toppin makes more sense than Buddy Heald. Because if Toppin it? doesn't get traded, we might as well just put the red shirt on Jairus Walker. Well, there's no doubt about that. Plus, I just don't know... I, I'm just not in love with Obi's game. I, I just he doesn't rebound enough for me. I know he's the high flyer and everything else, but if you told me they get into a playoff series and the rotation gets shaved a little bit, who would be a man that could get left out? I don't see Buddy getting left out of a rotation. His minutes might not be the same. I could see Obi Toppin getting way less minutes or yeah, being left yeah. out of the rotation if you're altogether. The rotation, yeah, like I mean, don't you feel that way? So I don't know if you get much for Obi, but if there's something there, you can bring somebody back, a veteran presence, whatever it may be, to change it up. A small move. That's kind of what I feel for the Pacers. I, I, I am almost, and we've we've talked out of both sides of our mouth here the last several weeks. I think I have settled on. Whatever they do with Buddy, I can kind of get behind it. But 
I would probably lean towards keeping him for the Tyrese, you know, for the Halliburton relationship and the fact that he still at any point can help you win. You know, you get into the playoffs, he could hit five or six threes in a quarter and help you win a game against a New York, a Milwaukee, a Philadelphia, a Chicago, somebody like that. Yeah, and that's to turn this into a playoff rotation sort of discussion, but assuming your starting five is Andrew Nemhart is the fifth starter moving forward. You know, six, seven, and eight in some order is Buddy Heald, Benedict Mather, and Jalen Smith. And you know, when you get to the playoffs, you're not playing back to backs. I mean, right, you get two days off, yeah, or eight, more. Eight, eight yeah. might be enough. Now, if you go to nine, that's where McConnell creeps in. That's where maybe Isaiah Jackson. That's where Obi Toppin. You know, Ben Shepard. So yeah, I mean, uh, we're, we're still a couple months away from that being a conversation. Uh, but certainly, you know, how that looks and the juggle of that will be interesting to keep an eye on. All right, one of my favorites. I love Tony Adranya and his opinions on IU basketball. Um, certainly can do it from a coach and a film standpoint, but I think he's got great perspective and a pretty even keel head uh, to go with it, which at times is needed when you're describing this program. Big comeback last night for the Hoosiers. What did he see? What does he see big picture? Would he rather have McKenzie and Baco or Cleo Ware back? We'll mm-hmm. toss some of that his way. Coming up next. Yeah, we keep it going on this Wednesday, broadcasting live, as always, from the DriveHubler.com studios. Mark Dykton is back, KB, and Andy hanging out with you until 10 o'clock. George Odom, former Indianapolis Colts safety, uh, current San Francisco 49er, he'll join us in about an hour. But we do keep the IU basketball conversation going. Tony Adranya joining us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Tony, good morning. Uh, Let's jump right into it. Uh, What was Indiana doing to get down 18 that had to frustrate you and how did they turn things around in your opinion in the second half good morning gentlemen uh, happy to be here always a pleasure being on uh, yeah to to answer your question uh it was really what weren't they doing to to really kind of grind my gears uh you know if you watched the halftime show yesterday on peacock um you know they really went after indiana's energy their efforts uh and really that's kind of what it boiled down to. It just kind of looked lackadaisical. Uh, you know, you, they were coming off of a, a bad home loss to Penn State and really just didn't come out with the energy that you thought they'd need to win a road game uh, in the Big Ten against another team that was kind of sliding as well. So it was really kind of what I didn't see. Uh, not a lot of defense being played. Not a, You know, the effort was up and down. Uh, guys were fouling a lot, giving easy buckets to Ohio State. So, you know, there there wasn't much to like uh, at halftime yesterday for, for the Hoosiers. Tony Adranya joins us. You've heard him on these airwaves with us before. He is, I guess, he, he's our coach, and he also does some great film work with Assembly Call. Must follow for IU fans out there. Uh, Tony, I'll, I'll leave it rather simple. Uh, what has Anthony Leal brought to this team over the last couple of games? The missing piece, man. He really is. Um, you know, as as a coach, there's just guys sometimes that you just trust to always do the right thing, be in the right spot. And on top of that, he's a, a leader in that locker room, and he's a voice that guys will listen to and respect. You know, he can get in somebody's rear end, and, you know, they're not going to – freak out you know they're they're going to respect that because he's earned that so you know it's just it's a lot of fun to watch from from this perspective of a guy that really has kind of waited his turn and make no mistake about it there's there's no player in the world that is happy to just sit on the bench 
um, and, and watch things, especially when they're not going well and think you can contribute and you can do things. But it's kind of how you respond to that. You know, you can sulk. Uh, you can be negative. You can have poor body language. But Anthony Leal, every single time you looked at the bench, he was the first guy up. He's telling guys where to be based on the scouting report. And now he's getting his opportunity. And, you know, he, he's flourishing in that opportunity. And, you know, the, the old saying is stay ready so you don't have to get ready. And, and he's really living that out. And it's, it's awesome to see. I, I assume you're in the camp of you start him Saturday night in West Lafayette? I think I am. You know, I, it's it's tough because you, you're probably inserting him in the lineup for Gabe Cups, and so that means Trey Galloway kind of takes over the, um, you know, the ball handling role or, or initiating the offense. But honestly, last night Indiana offensively they ran a little two man action with Trey Galloway and, and Malik Renew a ton in the second half, where Anthony Leal actually initiated that offense. So I think it's a good good time to do it because Purdue is not somebody that's going to uh, get get in your shorts and, and really make you turn the ball over. Their defense is more of a passive, make you t- grind the shot clock down, take a bad shot with low shot clock. So if you're going to start kind of no point guard, I think that might be the matchup to do it. Tony Adranya with us at Coach Adranya. You want to follow him on uh, X? I'm trying to move my vocabulary, KB, from just Twitter, and it needs to be the right vocabulary. Now I'm going to call it uh, X. If you want to follow him there, I'm uh, still Team uh, Twitter. I know. I'm with you. A bunch of great, <laughs> uh, a bunch of uh, of great analysis on the IU basketball team. Tony, I got to be honest. So I feel like all of my questions are backhanded with um with, with a slap to IU. Great win last night, but what the hell's happened to Ohio State? Right. Like it just can't be praising IU because they've had such a, a bad, you know, a bad season. Let's be honest. And I feel that way. I said it a couple days ago with Trey Galloway. Galloway has had some games where he has just been great. He has carried them in games, even in losses. He has kept these games close. And last night he was fantastic. But I met with if Trey Galloway had help around him, boy, you could really see him be a great piece to a puzzle instead of having to have too much on him like he often does. Do you agree with that? And what do you make of the overall play from Trey Galloway, especially last night? There's no question about it. And, and, you know, really Indiana's struggles can be pointed to their guard play. Uh, You know, when, when their guards play well, they play well. You know, you, you look back to Galloway um, and his performance against Kansas. You know, Kansas is one of the best teams in the country. Uh, you play them toe-to-toe. They had good guard play, uh, specifically with uh, Trey Galloway. So, you know, Coach Woodson's talked about that some as well. Of You know, the, the front court has been uh, – has kind of flourished where the back court has really, really struggled. Um, you know, statistically speaking, probably the worst back court in the country. So – when you look at a guy like Trey Galloway, um, you know, he, the, it's also like he needs the floor to be open in order to flourish. And, and you've got uh, guys like Renew and Ware, which are very, very good basketball players. But when you kind of are sitting both of them on either block, it, it's hard for Galloway to create and do the things that he does well. Last night you saw that kind of open up. I mentioned that two-man game that, that IU was running with, with Galloway and Renew. You know, they call it a zoom action. Robbie Hummel talked about it on the broadcast as well. Um, but the floor was open, and he was able to create. You saw that little floater that he was shooting. And then that, that gives him confidence because he also he's really struggled to shoot the ball this season. He was 
you know, in the mid 40s last year from the three-point line in the 20s this year. And when you open the floor up, he makes his floater. He's got some confidence. That's what shooting's all about, right? You know, you don't go from a 45% three-point shooter to a 20-some percent three-point shooter because your mechanics got all wonky. It's confidence. It's mental. And when he sees that ball go through the hoop, all of a sudden he's feeling good. And, you know, he puts out a 25-point performance and helps lead IU to victory. And yeah, road games, games away from home have been an issue for Trey this season. Obviously a must to keep it somewhat entertaining uh, come Saturday night. Again, Tony Adrania is with us here, an absolute must-follow for Indiana fans. That is A-D-R-A-G-N-A. Uh, follow him over on Twitter. Tony, it's a little bit more of a bigger picture question as you look at the season now with a month to go. Would you summarize the issues more as overall talent, roster construction, or not adapting to the personnel you have? Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's 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 a little bit of all three. I mean, I think I think the biggest picture issue is roster construction, certainly. Um, and you know, hindsight is it's certainly twenty twenty in this scenario. You know, you see that Indiana had a six-year point guard coming back, a guy that, you know, you hoped would be at the level he was at when he kind of finished that, that Big Ten tournament run a couple of years ago that, that helped lead Indiana into the tournament in Xavier Johnson. Last season, obviously, had a season-ending injury. Uh, and then this year has been all over the place in terms of injuries and just, you know, how he's handled himself on the court. Um, and then you've got Galloway, who is coming back as well with, uh, you know, a great season last year. And really, you thought he'd figure out how to shoot the basketball and, and would be a senior leader. Um, and then, you know, you've got a five-star, five-star, five-star at, at three, four, and five. So you, you, you look at that and you're like, you know, that's on paper makes a lot of sense. But like I said, there's also those caveats where, you know, you've got the point guard you're relying on coming off an injury. Trey Galloway was a recipient of a lot of, you know, Trace Jackson Davis getting doubled and kickouts to him. So there were all, there were certainly some, some things to look at. It's like, you know, this, this could go sideways. Um, and then on the flip side too, it's, you know, a lot of folks will say, well, go to the portal, you know, get, get some guards. And in Indiana, it wasn't for lack of trying. They, they went after guards in the portal last year. Um, you know, but for the same reason that I mentioned, you had a six year point guard returning. You had a guy that, that started last year returning at the two, you know, when you're trying to get high caliber guards, the other teams are recruiting against that. You know, if, if you're going up against the, uh, let's say, a Purdue or something for Lance Jones, and they've said, look, here's your starting spot. It's wide open. And down there, you know, you're going against two guys that played 30 minutes per game. Like, all of those things factor in. So the roster construction is certainly the larger issue. Um, you know, I do think that McKenzie and Baca would be better suited to play the four, but his NBA kind of – Pass forward is more at the three. So they're, you know, I, I have a feeling that that was probably discussed in his recruitment of, hey, we'll let you play the three. So you can't really go back on that because then word gets out, you went back on your recruitment. So there's just a lot of weird moving parts there. But ultimately, yeah, the, you know, this roster just is not built for basketball in 2024. Tony, it's a week 2024 NBA draft by all accounts. Guys declare for the draft all the time, and their respective schools and the fan bases of those schools are like, wait, what? He's not ready? (laughs) Let's just live in reality. Again, guys declare because whatever. They want to be done with it. Uh, They want to experience a professional game, et cetera, et cetera. It's a million reasons. Having said that, if you could only pick one of Khalil Ware or McKenzie Mbako to return, who would you pick? 
Based on like who I would want or who I think uh, is want, more likely. Want, want more so than think. It's tough. Um, I think Mbako. Uh, and that's because it, I think it could help force Indiana more into like a modern day. You play uh, Malik Renew at the five. Mbako can play more of a small ball four. Even if you put him on the wing, he can still kind of act as a four. Uh, make no mistake about it. Kluwer is is – a tremendous talent. He's by every stretch of the imagination probably going pro, and you know, unless something crazy happens here down the stretch, has really turned himself into probably a first-round draft pick. So that's not me. That's not really a knock on where for me. For me, it's it's more of that roster construction we just talked about, where um, you know, if if it kind of forces the hand of Mike Woodson to play more of a, a small ball, if you will, with Malik Renew at the five, then I'm all in on that. Yeah, the roster construction, Tony, at the end of the year is going to be fascinating. So many of these guys can even come back, right? Uh, You know, they have another year of eligibility. Who transfers? Who transfers in? Who Mike Woodson thinks, hey, you need to go somewhere else. Uh, It's going to be fascinating. Woodson's going to have to change something uh, or he's not going to be on the job too much longer. That's just the way that it is. Tony Adrania with with us at Coach Adrania. You want to follow him on Twitter X. Okay, so I know the answer to this question, especially Especially in the first half, Tony, is foul trouble. But Purdue is coming up, okay? The Purdue game's coming up. And 51-29 was the halftime score. We know Indiana got in foul trouble. What was it? Khalil Ware, Mackenzie, and Baco. Uh, and then they weren't inserted into the game until, quite frankly, in the first half, it was too late. If we could move that aside a little bit, what do you want to see differently for what do you want to see that's going to be different this time around against Purdue or is all hope lost the way that Purdue's playing basketball right now <laughs> I mean yeah Indiana's gonna to have to play out of their mind you know to to go into Mackey and beat Purdue you know it, it would take a lot you know what I would love to see is uh you know try to bring Zach Eady out from outside the paint on the defensive end um, you know, make him full guard in ball screens and, you know, some of the action they were running with like Malik Renew and Trey Galloway yesterday, try to get Trey Galloway going downhill and allow him to make decisions like he did on that, that last uh, shot to Anthony Leal. You know, he made the right read, made a good decision, kicked out to Leal. So, you know, in terms of offensively, you know, force Purdue to guard, uh, defensively pressure, pressure their guards, you know, uh, Braden Smith is a tremendous point guard. You know, I've I've gone on Twitter slash X and, and defended that I think he's a top ten point guard in the country. Um, but you know, he does struggle with some pressure at times. And Fletcher Lawyer is the same way. So you know, pressure those guards, make their post entries to Zach Eady as hard as they can. And then in terms of Zach Eady, try to force him to go over his right shoulder and use his left hand. Um, if he gets the ball deep and he can go with his right hand, that little baby hook he's got. He's unstoppable, and and IU showcased that when when he was at Assembly Hall. When they forced him to go over his opposite shoulder and use his left hand on that baby hook, he's a little bit less effective. So defensively, you know, pressure pressure Purdue guard as much as you possibly can, and then if the ball does go into the post, first of all, you got to push that TD out, make him catch it as far away as you possibly can, and then try to force him to use his left hand. Those are the the main things. I'd like to see Indiana to have a shot on Saturday night. Tony, film-wise, anything to keep our eyes out for, whether it was the comeback last night or looking ahead to Saturday night? 
Yeah, I think if you look at last night uh, defensively, I think if you look at the first half energy versus the second half energy, it's apparent. Um, you know, you, and then when the energy's higher, guys are just more connected. All of a sudden, you know, you see everybody, hey, huddle up after every uh, timeout or after every foul or whatever. Like those little things go a long way. And and when the energy's low, you know, you don't see that the bench is, energy's not great. So if you just look at the energy from last night, like it's it's apparent. Uh, moving into to Saturday, I think the start of the game is is paramount. Um, I think the way the substitutions are used is paramount. You know, there's at one point last night there was a lineup on the floor. I think it was Cups, Gun, Leal, uh, Renew, and Sparks. And it's you know it's like if you put that lineup out there against Purdue, you know that that could be a twenty zero run. Like you know there's there's not a lot of scoring out there. Like you just you can't put lineups out there like that, even if it's for a short spurt of time, um, because it's just there's nobody that can score the ball in that lineup outside of Renew, and they can quite literally put like five guys on him, and it'd be really tough for IU to do anything. So uh, I, I think that's a big one. Uh, you know, if if guys do get two fouls, like Khalil Ware, I feel like you've got to trust him a little bit more. He's averaging, I think, 1.9 fouls per game. So if he gets a couple early ones, you trust that he's – He's not going to, to pick up five. And, yeah, you know, you, you got to ride your horses. That was last night. The comeback came with Indiana playing the, the same group for the better part of the second half. Um, and, and, you know, they made it out unscathed pretty pretty well. So that's that's the big thing, too. You know, the guys that get you there, ride them. You know, if you got to use timeouts in the midst of the game to get guys rest, do it. Um, but, you know, you can't throw funky lineup configurations out there against – you know, what is quite possibly the best team in the country on the road and expect to come out with a W. Yeah, Leal, Galloway, and those big three, and Baco, Renew, Ware, that was the five that Mike Woodson rode pretty hard here throughout the second half last night as Indiana records quite the comeback in Columbus. Again, at Coach Adranya on Twitter. It is a must-follow for the IU faithful. Tony, I uh, hope the family's doing well. Always enjoy our conversation, so thanks for doing it. Thanks a lot, guys. Always appreciate it. We continue Super Bowl week here on The Fan, and we're doing so with uh, a guy that you may remember here in Indianapolis, a former Colt, now a current San Francisco 49er. He's a safety. He was uh, dealing with some injuries this year, but he's back and he's ready to go. His name's George uh, George Odom, and he joins us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. George, what's up, man? Good morning. How are you? What's up, Andy? Thank you for having me. I'm doing great out here in California right now. We're getting ready for practice here soon. Uh, Thanks for having me on your show. Man, Super Bowl week. It's Super Bowl, baby. Uh, and you've been dealing- <laughs> Imagine being able to say that. It's Super Bowl week. You're doing better than we are. Is, uh, has it finally hit you that, hey, I'm going to be playing in the Super Bowl on Sunday? Yeah, yes and no at the same time. I'm going to prepare myself this week like I'm playing this Sunday, and then next Sunday it's just all preparation, final, final details. But, hey, it, it's just like a miracle coming happen. You know, you never know when your chance comes. Got to take the most of it. George, I'm curious, just growing up, when you've played the game of football, how many times have you thought about what, you know, Sunday evening when you guys kick off and running out of that tunnel and and just that whole experience? Like, has this been a part of your dreams? Yeah, I love it every day. I enjoy my job. That's what I think about. I, I really enjoy my job. Like, as a kid, I never really – out about playing football, I just enjoyed the moment while I was doing it. And that's what I'm doing still. 
you know, you've carved out a hell of a career. Uh, you know, six years undrafted guy, and you've been a core, core special teamer. You had some, I would say, really important defensive moments here in Indianapolis. I want to get to what is it about how you are wired as a player that has made you such a, a you know an All Pro type of special teamer. Uh, they call me All Pro Geo now. Uh, <laughs> it's just having that mindset every time going out on that field, like. Don't let them lull you to sleep, especially on special teams. Like, they might might take it out, might not take it out. I can't take that chance, though. My mindset, like, I'm taking every rep like it's my last rep, and that's how I treat the game. I enjoy it that way. Do you have to be a little crazy to play special teams and play it at the <laughs> level that you've played at? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, most people don't want to go against me. They got to have two people on me. If not, I'm trying to wreck somebody. <laughs> All right. He's a safety George Odom with us here on the fan. Uh, San Francisco 49ers. Uh, cannot wait to see him in the Super Bowl on Sunday. Who gave you the nickname All Pro Geo? I think it was uh, Bubba Ventron or Zaire Franklin. When my first year, uh, I had got All Pro and special teams at the Colts. And then they started calling me All Pro Geo, and then I just went from there. And when I got here to San Francisco, I was like, "Man, I gotta get All Pro again, or my name can't live up to it. Live up to it." So I ended up getting All Pro again when I first got here. So it's like I stuck with it. Do you still talk to Zaire? Dude uh, racked up a ton of tackles this year for Indy. That boy tackling machine out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I still talk to him. He's my guy. He's got a podcast now and everything. I don't really watch him in his podcast or be on my phone too often, but hey, I, I talk to him every once in a while. He's a former Indianapolis Colt, current San Francisco 49er, uh, safety George Odom joining us here on the fan on the Pay Less Liquors hotline. Uh, do you guys consume, how do you consume the battle on the internet and on sports radio and on television and everything else around your quarterback, Brock Purdy? Oh, man, I don't. I kind of see only myself. I don't really see Brock as, like, going on social media, looking at stuff and viewing things, see what people say. He's not that type of guy. He's just, like, chilling, relaxing. He's probably watching film or something. Probably, I don't know what he'd be doing, but I don't think he'd be on the Internet like that. And I don't be seeing too much stuff like the uh, pretty good or something like that. Like, I just see all the inspirational stuff for him. He but, is- man, I don't really see my negative. He is George Odom, again, a, a Colts safety for a couple of years. Started 10 games here in Indianapolis and now will be playing coming up in Super Bowl 58 for the San Francisco 49ers. George, you're, I would say my uh, most memorable moment for you here in Indianapolis stands out as one game in prime time, but I'm curious if you feel the same way about that. What would you consider your most memorable game here in Indy? My most memorable game in Indy is probably when I got when I thought I had two picks against Josh Allen. I know I had one for sure. I thought I had the second one. That was like one of the good best moments of my career. Uh, it basically starting like on defense, the whole thing of just starting and having people believe in me was basically my highlight of my career so far. Thus far, I feel like I, I'm. I feel like I'm a defensive player, but I just play my role on special teams for now. Now, it's funny you go there. I actually was going to go to a game of a guy you're going to see coming up in the Super Bowl. It was Sunday night football. It was in Kansas City. I believe your second career start. 
Uh, leading tackler in the game, forced fumble in that game. Honestly, one of the better wins the Colts have had uh, in, in the last you know half dozen years or so. What do you remember about beating Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs on that Sunday night game in 2019? We were playing man coverage. They guys got to beat our guys. I remember that. I remember that game. They had to beat us man to man. And uh, Patrick Mahomes, he was just scrambling a lot. And I remember the, uh, when I got that forced fumble on the running back. I forgot who that was. Uh, got his name, anyways. But he was like a star running back. They had to throw a screen, a, a swing screen to our left. I just came back and kind of ran past the screen. I uh, hammered it down. The ball came out. We got the ball, and it just momentum shifted from there. And it just everything felt great after that. Now, you led things off. Again, George Odom is with us, two-time All-Pro, again, here in Indianapolis for a couple of years, six-year career, and he will be in the Super Bowl coming up on Sunday. You led off with us asking about the Indy weather. I, <laughs> I felt like that was kind of a shot at us. Um, is there anything you do, and I ask this in all seriousness, is there anything you do miss about your time here in Indianapolis? Maybe a favorite restaurant, maybe a place to go, anything you do miss from Indy? Oh, I remember... Uh... I remember a lot of stuff from Indianapolis, like just the culture, the vibe, the people, the play, like the players and stuff like that. I miss a lot of that stuff. Um, the one thing I can say I miss the most about Indy, I can't really say that too much. I miss Indy that much, but I just miss like it being closer to home for my, for some people I live by, stuff like that. A lot of more friends out there instead of Cali. I'm my dad away from everybody I really know. Did you think you get re-signed here? Uh, they offered me initially my third year, and then I end up they end up uh, I end up declining it, so they restricted me, and then they got me back, and they they did not offer me not one bit after the season, so I, no, I didn't think I was going to sign back. His <laughs> name, my, his name's George Odom, All Pro Geo. Uh, that's what we call him. Former Indianapolis Colt, current San Francisco 49er, joins us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. When you say home, are you from Millington, Tennessee? Is that where you're from? I was like Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, okay, well, I, I have okay. So I, I have went family. To High School. Okay, well, I have family. Uh, I had family in Brownsville, Tennessee, and Covington, Tennessee, the Burleson area. I know that area pretty well. Uh, yeah, uh, my mama lives in Covington right now. Okay, I got her house in the bad December. Okay, well, so. good, well, good deal. So we probably been by each other uh, and didn't you even drop know it. the All Pro like Geo next time. Uh, yeah. Next yeah. time you're home, hey, like I know All Pro, yeah, all pro go Geo. Memphis, go to Memphis in May. Music festival. That's one of the best times to go to Memphis. All right, so I used to live in Louisville, Kentucky, and so when I went away to college, I went to Memphis in May and didn't go to the Kentucky Derby. And uh, you know, uh, three Taylor? three six. I don't three six Mafia played. Ooh. George, that's oh, your, yeah. That's the first year they played. That's back in the day, then. Yeah, that was back in the day, and it was actually a little too lawless. The next year, they had much more security. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I actually trained in Louisville for for the past few years. Uh, one of my one of the best trainers in the world. I feel like Corey Taylor, sports performance is out in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, oh yeah, that's where I first got. I got came out uh, in college. I gained fifteen pounds in eight weeks. Wow, from Corey, so. 
Yeah. Hey, Louisville got Louisville got the tricks and trades out there. I like Louisville. <laughs> George Oda with us, former Colts, San Francisco 49er, getting ready uh, for the Super Bowl here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. All right, so I got to ask you this. So um, a couple years ago, you guys, now you weren't a part of the team then, but the Niners played in Dallas, and they beat the Cowboys in a playoff game in Dallas, okay? Uh, and I remember the reason I was like, I should have bet the Niners because they came out with the you guys even though you weren't on the team came out with the boom box okay so especially on these on these road games and I'm sure it's going to happen here Sunday for the Super Bowl it's the boom box and what Trent's up front with Debo if I'm not mistaken so in the boom box line where are you and why are those two guys always at the front of the line so I'm normally right there with them okay <laughs> they know the lyrics they know the lyrics to the song, so it's kind of like Debo kind of play the music, kind of pick the music every once in a while. Trent know the music, like everybody vibe at the same time. Some players like like to be in the back. Some players, we let everybody do their own thing, kind of. With the boombox, it's just like I don't know. I, I call it something, but I can't call it on the radio. That, but I call it spiritual. <laughs> like it's a spiritual awakening. It's a spiritual awakening. Like it wakes something up in you, and you need, you need that to stimulate your mind. Like get you going. Do we know the song for Super Bowl Sunday? Do you feel comfortable saying That's that? Be secret. Or, or do you want to keep that secret until pregame? I don't know that song. Okay. It might be anything. It might be Steve <laughs> Key's little baby. I don't know who it's gonna be. It's gonna be somebody gonna get our mind right now. I'll be honest. Who playing this game? The enemy. Who's going to war? I'll be honest, every time those doors open to that locker room and I see you guys come out of that boombox, I think, how do the 49ers ever lose? That's what like, I, I mean, think. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. I mean, literally, I'm like, that is the last team I would want to be seeing. <laughs> we are going to see them <laughs> Sunday night. It is 49ers. It is Chiefs. George Odom, all-pro G.O. with us. George, can't thank you enough for the time, man. I know it's a hectic Appreciate it, uh, couple weeks as you're getting ready here. And more than anything, go down there, crack somebody on special teams, and uh, make a game-changing play like you always do. Thank y'all for having me very much. Uh, Y'all have a great day.